You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. This morning, I want to talk about I've seen God. And, uh, and I'm not talking about I've seen God. I'm talking about the body of Christ has seen God. We've seen God because we are believers. You can't be a believer without having some engagement with God, right? So I want to talk about that a little bit. And honestly, um, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, the Lord gave me... Uh, four scriptures. I have four scriptures. One, two, three, four. Oh, there's five. Sorry. There's five scriptures. And uh, it's just like this morning's worship. You know, sometimes God has something that he wants you to do, but he hasn't told you exactly what it is. You know, this this morning, uh, the worship team practice on Wednesday night. They send me this set. I'm like praying over it. This is great, God. But what was prepared for was not what the fullness of what God had. Sometimes he gives us a taste of what he's about to do, but he doesn't give us all of it. It's like opening up a birthday present. You know you've got a present and you know it's going to be good, but you don't know what's in the present until you open it. You know, God sometimes gives us the present, the physical ability to, to see something, to, to read the words on the, on the, the worship words on the screen, but we don't actually know where that's going to take us until we step into that sacrifice of praise in order for it to open up what he has for us. Uh, so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read scripture and we're going to let the Lord open up what he has for us. Um, I always say that sometimes he's prepared our spirit for what our intellect isn't aware of. It's already in us, but our mind hasn't been able to wrap itself around what God's about to do. So let's get started. We're going to start with Ezekiel 1. And we're just going to read a couple of scriptures. I know what God wants to do at the end, and I know what he wants me to read. I just don't have the middle. Somebody may have the middle. I don't know. The gooey part. It's like an Oreo. We got the top and the bottom, but that creamy part... What did I say, Ezekiel 1? And I just want to read one phrase in it. I was reading this this morning, and I want to read toward the end of it um, that says Ezekiel, well, I'll just read the whole thing. Ezekiel 1.1. 1, 1. Now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month. Now, listen to this. As I was among the captives... Ezekiel was in captivity. He was among the captives by the river Chabar that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. The heavens were open and I saw visions of God. How many, when we read this, how many of us feel so hungry for the visions of God? I know I do. 
I've I've probably read this 15 times this week. I just keep reading it over and over. And, you know, God opens us up to visions as you go through Ezekiel. And we will not read all of Ezekiel 1. So y'all can take a deep breath and say, I'll get out before two today. But, you know, when we read this, and if you go through Ezekiel, God showed him all kinds of things. God shows you sometimes in symbols, sometimes in literal what he needs for you to know and have revelation of in this moment. Uh, One of the things he had me do this week, and I'll tell you, it was a tough week. It sounds like it was a tough week for a few of of us. And, um, but you know, God is victorious and he reigns and he is with us. And no matter what we're going through, we can trust that he is breathing on our circumstance. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just it. If, if I don't know what to do, I know he does. And even when I know what to do, I know he knows better. So I'm, I'm trying to learn to lean into that. But as I was, he had me go back and read through a period of time, October 16th through April 17th. And it was a six-month period of, um, I, I called it the classroom, where he would meet me in this classroom setting, it had a classroom, it had a table to, to have communion with him, etc. But it was a time of training. It was a time of revelation. It was a time of prophetic promises. It was a time of vision for the future. And as I read through it, it was, it was about many of you. Many of your names are in there. But as I read through it, uh, I was realizing that there are so many promises of God that he has given us. He's given us promises through, through his word. We can read through and say, that is a promise of God. That is a promise of God. He's given us promises prophetically that people have spoken over us. I have pages and pages of prophetic words have been given to me. And I go through and I mark off as they start their fulfillment or being fulfilled. So I can keep up with where, where I am on God's timeline. God doesn't have to keep up with me on where I am. I have to keep up with where are you taking me, God, because this, this, this has happened. I've still got some blank spaces here. And he keeps reminding me that his promises are good. And his promises will be fulfilled. And I want to jump over to Romans 4, 17 for a minute. But through those things that he teaches us, through revelation, through the word, through the prophetic unctions over us, we know that his promises will be fulfilled in our life because he has promised it. And he is good for his promise. He, he, he will make good on what he says he will do. Romans 4, and I'm going to start in verse 17. That would help if I go there with you guys instead of reading Galatians to you which I have done before. And I'm going to start in verse 17. And, you know, we're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Abraham believed God. He believed God. I'm going to say it again. Abraham believed God. We believe God for what he says. And, you know, even with Abraham, he believed God. But he also went through a process. He went through giving Sarah away twice. Right? King of Inlet, the Pharaoh. He, here, here, you take my wife, you know. And only God protected Sarah because he's protecting the promise that he gave Abraham. And that promise he gave Abraham is a promise that we are living in right now. 
We're living in the promise of Abraham. So God had to protect the promise of Abraham, even though Abraham decided to have another child with Hagar. God still had to protect the promise that he gave him that he would have an heir. He had to protect that. And verse, yeah, thank you, Lord, because thank goodness God protects me from myself so that I'm able to bring forth the promises he's given me so that my children and my children's children's children will live from where I have birthed into their destiny. Thank goodness that God protects us from ourselves. My heart is racing. He's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens as I'm saying this? Through our minds, we're like, oh, yeah, this. Oh, yeah, this. Oh, yeah, this. God, you scooped me up. Thank goodness. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Verse 17. It says somewhere, if I can find it, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God. We believe God, right? We believe God. And even when we struggle in our belief, God knows what we're struggling with and he protects us from falling off of the destiny that he has for us. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Think about our lives. Think about the things that have been dead in our life that God brought back, resurrected, because it's part of the inheritance that we're to carry forward. Whoo, Jesus. Hmm. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, we are not weak in faith. We don't care what the enemy says to us. We don't care how the week went. We are not weak in faith because our faith is in Christ. And that faith alone strengthens us. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. I love that. Don't you love that? So if you think your body's dead, I want you to start reading this over you. Wherever you think there is not life in you, wherever you think there's physical impalement against you, I want you to start reading this, that God, whatever it is that you call those things that were dead, that do not exist as though they did. And that we are not dead because our faith is in what God has promised, not in what we can do since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. I am fully convinced. I want you to say that. I am fully convinced. That what he has promised, he he was also able to perform. 
What God has promised, he is able to perform. What God has promised, he will do. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And I didn't give this to Noah, but I'm just going to read this real quick. You guys don't have to go there. In Hebrews 11... We get the other piece of this. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself also received the strength to conceive seed. Now, we just read that her womb was dead. You can't get a seed if you're dead. But she received the strength to conceive the seed, Right? And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, God, faithful, who had promised. I'm going to bear my seed, even though my mind may think I'm past the age. Even though we may think it is too late. Even though we may think, oh, if I was 20... Emily, I'm going to skip that on you. (laughs) You know, we think that we're at a place that we should be 30 years younger in order to get what God has promised us. Well, if God had promised us that we were going to be 30 when we got it, then we would have got it. But our problem is, is we think that God is late, that we have missed it. That God is not going to do what he said he did because my experience says he's not working for me. We have to understand that even Sarah and Abram, who could not bear children, they could not. Dead. Believed God. They believed God. And even though when we read Genesis, we'd be like, that doesn't sound like belief to me. But... God calls it belief. God didn't list in Hebrews and in Romans all the things that were mistakes because mistakes aren't necessarily unbelief. They're just us trying to help God. Let me help you, God. God, we know that you need a little help on the timing. So let me go ahead and step out and do this. Let me help you. And then he's like, you just keep going. I'll get it pulled back together and then we'll move on as one. But, you know, we have to remember as we retell our history. We look at not always the victories. We look at the defeats. When God retells our history, just like he did with Abraham and Sarah, He didn't go through all of the missteps. He, all he kept saying is they believed that he, they believed they knew God was good for what he said he was going to do. They believed that's what God remembers about them. So when you look at your history, you look at, where you've seen God. Not where you've seen yourself. Because God has been merciful to each one of us. 
And he has been good. And we have tasted and seen that God is good. And yes, I have made a zillion mistakes. You know, it says if we counted all Jesus' miracles, we might not have been able to fit it in the earth. If, he, if we counted all of our mistakes, it wouldn't fit in the earth from, from beginning to end. But when we count what God counts, then we see that God is faithful to what he's going to do and his promises will be fulfilled. And when we get with him in heaven, we will see what he wrote about us was where he took us from being dead to life and gave us the promise that he fulfilled. And we're in this eternal place going, I wish I could have seen what I see now. I wish as, as I see Abraham and Sarah, the way God sees it, God opened my eyes to see what I've seen now. See the generations ahead that birthed me into where I am now. Even see the generational faulting that you redeemed and restored to put us where I am now. God, let me see you. Whew. Let me see you. Let's go to Jeremiah 1 uh, verse 11. Let me see you. Shoot, Jesus. Jeremiah 1, 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I'm asking you, what do you see, guys? What do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. God, I want to see well. I want to see well. For I am ready to perform my word. God is ready to perform his word in our lives and over us. And it's so funny. We don't even recognize that he's performing his word half the time. I'll tell you a funny story. Last Sunday, I'm looking for my Bible. I'm at church and I have a Bible at church and I have the rest of them at home. I, my preaching Bible. I'm looking for my Bible and I'm like, anybody see my Bible? Nobody see my Bible. We get here early. And uh, immediately... I knew Jean had it, but I was still looking for my Bible. And then about 15 minutes later, because, you know, everybody who has a black Bible, you can pick up the wrong one anytime. And uh, a few, maybe a half hour later, Jean comes in. He goes, I just wanted you to know, I got your Bible. Here it is. And I'm like, you know, Lord, that dropped in my spirit immediately. Jean has it. But what did I do? Oh, I kept looking. The worship team, the, the AV team looked, Chuck looked, looked at, you know, and I'm like, Lord. Let me see well. Let me realize that you are performing your word over my life. Let me realize that you are much greater than all the irritation that's going on around me because I'm not going to remember the irritation in November that happened in June. But I got to learn to remember the, the performing of his word in June when I'm in November. We've got to bring that with us and let go of the things Paul says. I forget what's behind me and I press forward to the calling that Christ has for me. We got to forget what's behind me. And we're going to pray about something very specific tonight. Uh, tonight. I don't know. Is it tonight yet? 
today. It's still morning, Chuck says. Exodus 24, 9. Open up our eyes to see, Lord. So, you know, this is the beginning part of the whole uh, people of God coming back together out of captivity. It's interesting what God does when we're in captivity. It's interesting what he'll show us when the enemy thinks he has his upper hand against us. He shows us that he's there and he's got an answer. Anyhow, that's a whole other subject. So, Moses, Aaron, the 70 elders of Israel have been invited up to come near to God. Verse 2, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near him, nor shall the people go up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words the Lord had spoke to them. That's actually not where I wanted to read. I'm sorry, let me go to verse 9. Uh, then Moses went up. Yes, this is where I wanted to read. Also Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay a hand on. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. You know, you, back then you couldn't see God and live. And even though we could say the same for us, we can't see God and live the way we lived. If we see God, it's going to change us. It's going to change us. And it doesn't mean that every so often we're not being tugged back and distracted from the presence of God because it does happen. But once we've seen God, there's something within us that will always long and hunger for more. Yes. Unless we put our heart in a freezer and decide no more. And, there, and that is, you know, we've seen, we've seen that happen. We know that. But uh, our heart is God. We want to see you and we want to see you more. We want to see more of you. We, want, we know that you have promised and you will fulfill your word. You will do what you said you're going to do. Whether we are 18 or whether we're over 100, it doesn't make any difference. He will continue to perform his word that he has promised. Our heart is not to give up. Our heart is not to get uh, hopeless in the promises that he's given us. Our heart is no matter what's going on, Lord, your word is true and I believe your word and I too, like Abraham, it will be credited to my righteousness. And when I read that the, your report on me, it will be where you have performed your word, not all the mistakes I made. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to read one other, and I'm not really sure how this is going to fit, but this was the one other he gave me. It's Numbers 8. And then we're going to pray a little bit. 
I'm sorry, Numbers 12, verse 8. I think I'm going to back up a little bit, uh, maybe to... Verse 6. You know, Miriam and Aaron have had a little issue with Moses. Have you ever had an issue with someone that's trying to lead you? <laughs> Chuck said no. Then he's going to come out and preach this. because. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have Chuck preach this. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to keep, keep, keep reading the word. It'll, it'll speak for itself. It says, then he says, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in visions. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I want the Lord to write that about me. That I have been faithful in his house. That I have been faithful with the temple that he's given me, that I've been faithful with the assignments, with everything he has asked me to do, that I have been faithful. And where I've missed, he's been faithful to correct so that I can realign. There's nothing better than a correction from the Lord, no matter how stingy or painful it might be, because the correction redirects you in order for you to stay on the path that he has for you. And he will correct. He will correct, but it's a good thing. He is faithful in my house. This is what I want to pray over us. I want us to grab a hold of because we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. We have encountered the Lord. And the way we see is all different. But we have seen the Lord. We have encountered the Lord. We have declared the Lord as our Savior. And we know that the Lord has spoken into each one of our lives a promise, a destiny, an assignment that, that he's given us to do. And we know that as we follow him, we will see the goodness of the Lord perform what he has promised. Amen. So I will speak to him face to face. How many want the Lord to speak to them face to face? Even plainly. I want the Lord to speak to me plainly. And you know what I want? Sometimes the Lord speaks to me plainly, but I've missed the interpretation. Sometimes at, when I look back, I'm like, Lord, that was as clear as day, but man, my mind muddled it up. It, it, my brain got a hold of it. And by the time I got through with it, I wasn't sure what you said. <laughs> but that wasn't you. That was me. I want him to speak, speak plainly and clearly to me, not in dark sayings. I want to speak to him face to face. And he sees the form of the Lord. Think about this. If it's for Moses and how many others throughout the scriptures, it is for us. But there's a sacrifice and a cost for that. It's a sacrifice of our heart. It's a sacrifice of our lives. It's a sacrifice of our time, of our minds. It's a sacrifice. Because if we want the Lord to speak to us face to face, and we want to be faithful, and we want to hear clearly, 
then we've got to give time and room for him to do that. Just like we did in worship this morning, just like we did on Friday night. Friday night we had, I I went back and listened to it. We had six minutes of just silence, just the presence of the Lord. There was nothing to say. The worship team didn't need to sing. The preachers didn't need to preach. The prophets didn't need to prophesy because God was doing what he did in the silence. And I don't even know what it was, but I know he was performing his word over us. And that's going to produce fruit from that waiting. And the hard thing as people is waiting. It's pumping the brakes. We're not going to move on. We're not going to do the announcements right now. We're going to stop. We're going to sing a little bit more. Out of the songs came prophecy. The word came forward. God had something else in mind this morning. And if we're going to, if we're going to model an Abraham, a Moses, a Mary, a whoever, a Sarah, whoever you, whoever your favorite is, your David's, your whoever else, they were all sacrificial people. They had sacrificial hearts that God was it for them. God was it for them. Even when David said, I can't run from you. There's nowhere me to go because, because you've got a hold of me so deeply that even if I tried, I couldn't. Even if my flesh let me get down to the Dunkin' Donuts, you'd be on the back of my neck going, here we go. Let's go back. Just like Ezekiel picked him up by the nape of the neck. There you go back. You know, it's a sacrifice. Seeing him face to face is a sacrifice. Seeing his form, hearing his word, it's a sacrifice. But God is looking for us. You know, like I said earlier, the Lord showed me, it wasn't that song that was anointed. It was the people that was anointed. It was the hearts of worshipers pouring out, not even knowing. I don't know why we're singing the song again, but we're going to sing it again because God is going to move. I looked at Jean earlier. I said, do you have something? Nope. But he did. He just didn't know. (laughs) Because it wasn't time, but we had to make room so there would be time for the word to come forward. Michelle comes whispering up, I got a word. Did you have a word in the beginning? No. But when you make room for God to move, it makes room for him to release what he has. And we've got to make room in our lives for him. So I want to pray. But what I want, there's something very specific I want to pray for. I kept thinking about Abraham this week and, and him being the father of the nations, right? And there's been a zillion generations between us and him. And there's been, uh, I wanted to pray for the restoration of the generational lines and the inheritance that God has promised us that have not been as fluid as they should have been from line to line in our generations to what I kept seeing was that the dam was broken and the flood of the Holy Spirit was coming to restore what should have already happened because God is true to his promises. Amen? So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Did that make sense? We're just going to pray that everything we should have is here, okay? That God will make room for it. 
Uh, so I'm not really sure how to go, but we're just going to start and we'll, we'll see what God wants to do. So, Father, what I kept seeing was Abraham was the father of nations. We are living in that birthing of the nations. We, we are yours. We are your nation. We are a people of God. And what I kept seeing through the week was that there are uh, things that we should have been uh, blessed from previous generations that have gotten broken down. And what I saw were two things, disobedience and sin, which I know they're the same, but I felt like the disobedience was where in lines before us, we were called and they said no. And the sin was in lines before us, they were called and the uh, consumption of sin kept them from getting the fullness they should have gotten. So Lord, what I, what I really want to pray is just uh, a cleansing of those bloodlines, a cleansing of those generational lines. Lord, we're just declaring a, a restoration that even if you show us something that we'll be able to uh, bring restoration to those lines so that there is a fullness, that the dam will break of anything that's been held up that should have been ours, that that uh, river of living water will break through those generational sins, those generational disobediences, um, even generational curses in order to open up the floodgates for us. So Lord, we just I just want to repent on the generational lines. We repent on disobedience. We repent on on sins that were never confessed, never restored. And Lord, we just we just say for our lines, Lord, we're asking you to clean them out. To, to stop all the blockages, to break through the dam and let that river of living water become a floodgate for us to go forward. And Lord, I, when I see when the dam breaks, the river flows and it's just this tidal wave that we're able to live, to, to ride. So, so Lord, we just pray for all of our families, for our children, our children's children. We pray for uh, any parental or grandparents that are living, we just pray blessings over them. We pray blessings over our, our family lines. And we just say, Lord, wherever we have come against you in our family lines, we stand in the gap for that now and repent on the behalf of our family so that the fullness will be able to be moved through us into the generations to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. And I just want to end with this one scripture that Noah also does not have. Like I said, when the Holy Spirit decided he's going to preach, it, it just looks a little bit different. I just want to pray this over, the, over us, that uh, uh, the blessings. It's number six, starts in 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, to his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So this is a blessing over you as a child of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.